So recently, I just quit my job at Amazon, probably a couple weeks ago. Um, I was just tired of it. I, I, I had to quit. I just had to. It got to a point that every single day when I clocked in, I always had to go rescue somebody after my shift is over, after I deliver all my packages. And what I mean by um, rescuing, that means that if you're done with your route, you have to go help somebody that's slow on their route. And you have to take half of their packages. And this was almost every single day. I had to I always get a call. Like, they know when you're done. They give you a call. Oh, Elmer, can you go help uh, Sandino? Uh, because he has 100 packages left. And then I got so mad because I make plans after I'm done. I'm like, okay, I... I'm done with all these packages, and I want to go home. I want to go jack off. I want to go smoke weed. I want to go relax. But it was one day, one day, even though I had no nothing planned, I finished early. I finished all my 200 packages or whatever, whatever I had. And then I get a call. Oh, can you help? Whoa, 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 with his packages. And I and in my head, I said, okay, I'm gonna help. And after I'm done, I'm quitting. So I end up helping this person out take half of his route. And after I get done delivering everything, I pull over, I email them. But it takes a while for them to respond back. But I still email them and say, you know what? I quit. I'm done with this fucking job. I'm not going to be like all of you working here for 30 years and you have a heart attack on the goddamn Amazon packaging floor. And then you hear somebody on the goddamn speaker say, well, our fellow employee Elmer died today. And you hear Sherlika say, oh, shit. Uh-uh, that's why I want to work here. Uh-uh, that's why I need to get my cosmetology license. And then the next day, everybody forgets about you. That's not going to be me. That's what I emailed them. That I'm done. It's over. And then I gave them a call. I called my manager, but when I called, he was having a meeting with the district manager and his manager and so on and so on. They put me on speaker because I wanted to I wanted to make sure everybody heard. I said I quit this job is a dead-end job. You guys don't respect people. And it's over. I'm done. I'm not going to work here 30 years and die like the rest of you, you fucking losers. And then I click. 
but then I realize I haven't returned the Amazon van, the work van. So I should have thought that more clear. So I drove back to the base, parked the van, went into the facilities to give the keys and everybody's looking at me like, whoa, that he left already, that he said all that in his personal car. And, you know, I get a few nods, a, a, a good thumbs up from a couple people. But the moral of what I'm just trying to say is don't spend all your youth in one fucking location. If you want to be a porn star, if you want to be a ballet dancer, if you want to be a fucking actor, whatever it is, if you want to be a, a cosmetologist, anything, go fucking do it. Because by the time you look back, you're going to be a link dick 45 year old with bald subsiding from your fucking back of your head and it's over. Your life's over. Nobody's going to fuck you no more. You have to pay for pussy. That's your last solution. You have to go to Oakland to E-140. Go pay for some fucking pussy. That will probably give you fucking crabs or you'll get an STD and next to you know your pus every time you take a fucking piss. You don't want that. Go chase your fucking dreams. But yeah, I quit my job a couple weeks ago. And I wanted to share that with you guys. And I want to say thank you, Felice Sayet, for coming on to the Over the Fence podcast. I appreciate that. Um, I got a whole bunch of feedback. Um, I got new followers. Um, I got probably new listeners. Um, but the main thing I, I want to say is thank you for sharing the tips and advice and everything even though you say you're still new at it, but I just want to say thank you for that, Lee. And if you're listening, um, I just want to say that I'm appreciative that you came on the show, and I really do appreciate that. All right. Um, how's everybody doing? Like I say in every single episode, I hope everybody's doing safe. Being safe, I mean. Um, wearing a fucking mask, you know. Uh, coronavirus is a real fucking virus. Um, but yeah. Let's get into the episode with episode number 52. Let's do this. One, two, three.
Welcome back, welcome back. So the first time I ever saw my oldest brother act out. This was back in 1999 or 2000. I was 9 or 10 years old. Chilling in the living room, watching television. I think it was a Saturday or Sunday because my mom let me watch cartoons on the weekends. That's when the TV was free. That's when everybody was encluttered around it like some fucking cockroaches watching ESPN or Telemundo or Las Novelas. Um, so I was chilling, watching TV. My oldest brother, um, his name was G. Guillermo, named after my father that passed away. And my brother that I'm also about to talk about, he passed away. Um, but they called him Memo. Um, it was probably at least 10, 10 or 11 in the morning watching television. He's in his room with the white beaters, you know, brushing his hair back like he's a fucking mobster from the 60s. And he's talking to himself. And he walks into the living room and says, hey, you little fat fuck. Do you want to go to the goddamn store with me? I know you want something. So might as well take you with me. And I'm like, sure, I'll go. So, you know, I put my shoes on and put my little sweater. And the store is literally up the street. Um, I thought we were going to take his brand new Monte Carlo. It was not a Monte Carlo. It was an old school, but, you know, it was nice and polished and always clean. So I always called it a brand new Monte Carlo. And we were not going to take the car. We ended up walking. So as we are walking, probably not even three or four minutes as we are walking, he starts looking at somebody from across the street and he says, wait right here. No, matter of fact, come with me. And we're almost by the store and in the back of the store is like this little alleyway and I don't know what was he doing. He he starts screaming and shouting like, you owe me fucking money. You owe me money. Just because you moved, you thought I wasn't going to fucking find you. And he grabs him by, by the collar of his shirt and um, not drags him, but like he's forcing him, force, forcefully walking him to the alleyway. And he and the dude that my brother has, he's with his girlfriend. And um, we go to the alleyway and my brother takes out um, a butterfly knife. And he says, where the fuck's my money? Where the fuck's my money? And the his girlfriend that he's with starts screaming, oh, my God. And she's looking at me. I'm nine or ten. She's looking at me. Please tell him to stop. You know, I'm getting traumatized because I don't know what the fuck I'm seeing. I'm getting traumatized. He's like, please. You know, that's the first time I actually see something 
you know, rob wise in real life. Usually I'm seeing it on cops, on the television or in a movie or whatever. So as my brother's digging through his pockets, he's taking out wallets, he's taking out car keys and et cetera and et cetera. And he gives them to me. He's like, hold this, you little fat fuck. Dig through his wallet to see if he has my money in there. And then the lady's like, please, And I'm digging and he's like, yeah, it's money in here. And my brother was like, all right, that you, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And the lesson was that there's, there was this old black man that stand in the middle of the store, right in front of the store. And they called him Cigarette Man because he used to sell cigarettes. He had no teeth. He can literally put his whole, uh, like he can put his whole mouth and you, like he can bend it and he can like put his whole nose in his mouth. He was obviously a crackhead. So he'd start screaming from the alleyway. He's like, Cigarette Man! Cigarette man, you want to make fun of us? And you can hear him like, huh? Here, where are you at? Where? I'm in the fucking alleyway. Come here right now. You know, it took him probably a couple minutes for him to get there. But, you know, because he was old. But eventually he got there. And then he said, do you want to make $5? He said, yeah, yeah. And I'm standing Right there. And he puts the butterfly knife. He puts the butterfly knife to the girl now. The dude's girlfriend. And and says, make out with him before I fucking stab you. Right now, I'm going to stab you in the neck. I'm going to slice you like fucking butter. And she says, no, please, no. And I'm so traumatized that my mouth is open like a little um, retard. Don't know what to do or don't know what's going to happen. And she's like, please, no. And he makes the cigarette man make out with her. So as she's crying and pleading for her life not to have her mouth on an old crackhead's mouth, you know, he's over the old man that's like <laughs> sticking all his tongue in there. And for some apparent reason, I got hard off of that. And then the dude's like, please leave my girlfriend alone. You took my wallet. He took my car keys. You have whatever I had, please. And my brother was like, shut the fuck up. And Probably for a good 15 minutes, he's over there slobbering, he's touching the breast. You know, that's already sexual assault. You know? And at the end, the cigarette man, the cigarette man says, I'm done. I got no more slobbering. My... And he just walks away and he takes his $5. And my brother says, that's what happens when you don't pay. And that's how we do it around chill. And then 
the dude and his girlfriend run out of the alleyway, I don't know which way, and leave. You know, I got the dude's wallet, but then my older brother takes it from me, and we end up just going to the store, you know. I bought my big hunk. Uh, it's a candy bar. It's a white candy bar. And, you know, we walked back to the house and I sat down right back where I was watching cartoons, traumatized. And that's what happened. I just really wanted to share that with you guys. Um, When my mom first told me that I had to go to the um, tall and big um, clothing store. It's, it, it was here's a local store called Tall and Big for fat kids. Um, well, my mom had to explain to me why normal clothes didn't fit me. She said, um, blame yourself because you eat everything. It got to a point that when I was a kid, my mom had to put chains on the refrigerator, on on the every cabinet. Um, sometimes when my mom went to go grocery shopping, she left the groceries in the car because she only took out what she was about to cook because I used to eat everything. And at school, I always used to see these kids with brand new punk shirts you know the uh that the the um that show punk where um i forgot what's his name uh ashton kusher uh was you know punking everybody and i was like man i want a punk shirt so we went to target we couldn't find my size and i used to get mad so again one day my mom took me to a big and tall store and everything fit me there, um, except these jeans. They were like big and tall jeans, but I couldn't fit them because my gut was in the way. And then my mom was also shopping for my other siblings. So the man that I thought that worked there asked me, do you want me to help you put the jeans on? And I said, of course, you can help me. I thought he was an employee. So, you know, um, he got in the dressing booth with me. You know, he was just standing there uh, watching me get undressed. Um, He was just standing there in the corner. He was just biting his nails, like, and his eyes were bulging out, like, excitement. That he was like, I can't believe I finally did it. And I got naked to my underwear, and he helped me put on my shirt. And as he was helping me put on my shirt... He was fondling my tits. He was fondling my belly and my uh, muffin top. I just thought that's how they helped at the big and tall store. I didn't I didn't uh, second question it at all. And as he was putting my pants on, uh, he was, you know, touching my ass. And, you know, I think he touched one of my balls. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And but he would the, the creepiest thing he wanted to do is help me put on my socks. My actual socks. I was trying out socks too. And um after I tried on 
everything and I'm taking down everything. Um, even, but I couldn't find my actual regular socks, the ones I came in the store with, you know, so I just kept the socks that I was going to pay for. And, um, the dude, you know, walked out of the dressing room with me. And then my mom starts yelling, who the fuck is you? Who are you? What are you doing last time? What are you doing? And I'm telling my mom, mom, he works. He doesn't fucking work here. He has holes in his shirt. And he doesn't even have one. He doesn't even have shoes on. And his teeth are yellow. And a couple of employees started approaching where my mom was yelling at. And the dude that helped me um, put on the clothes started running away. And, um, you know, he was very skinny. So, you know, he flew like the wind. And then my mom starts, oh, my God, my son got raped. He got raped. And I'm telling the mom, I didn't get raped. He was just helping me. He didn't do anything but just touched me. And then my mom's like, oh, my God, I yield at me. I yield at me. I'm like, Mom, you're making a scene right now, Mom. You're making a scene. Have some fucking composure. And, uh, but here's the, um, uh, good news to that story is, is that, um, they didn't charge none of my brothers the clothes. Or they didn't even charge my clothes. We all got free clothes. So, in a way, thanks to, me being fondled by a stranger, I got free clothes. But yeah, um, I mean, that's all I got to say for this episode. Um, I just hope everybody enjoys them. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, being a supporter. Thank you for being a listener. Everything, man. I really, really do appreciate that. Um, I'm getting amazing feedback. Um, everything, man. You guys are such an amazing people, individuals, uh, lesbians, gays, straights, dogs, cats, whoever the fuck listens to this podcast. I appreciate it. And um, without you guys, none of this will happen. None of this will happen. None of this can be actually achievable because um, I put in the work, but you guys are the ones that actually listen and give me feedback. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I just want to shout out um, Lisa yet. I want to shout out uh, Chester Franklin. I want to shout out everybody that um, that's been a part of this podcast movement of mine. So thank you very much. Um, Thank you for everything. And like I say, in every single episode, make sure she sucks your dick first before you fuck because you deserve the full package. And we are out. For anybody who's ever lost somebody they really love I've lost a lot of people in my life Even this last year has been rough for me My And this is Jelly Roll with Smoking Section May they all rest in peace Shout out Jelly Roll
And I've learned that pain is an international language. It's one thing that we can all speak fluidly. I wrote this for anybody who's ever had a tough time dealing with that. Hey, baby brother, how you doing? The street's still holding? The last time I seen you, you ain't seemed so focused. Can't believe I ain't noticed. I can't believe I missed it. Life's been crazy. Fast life living. Struggle sitting in prison and I'm sitting and tripping and I'm sitting and wishing that you were sitting here with me. But I'm not you all alone. Trying to write this song. Sipping on some bourbon and blowing a little strong. Therapeutic music. I'm taking my time. Figured while I had a second, I would write you a line. Me and Rail doing well. Don't worry about us. I bet your ass up there chilling, probably rolling it up. Your name's in the same sentence as a junkie, a flunky on your back is the monkey. You